The Eddie B. Sit edition, an audio series of the Talmud Bavli. Gemara Mo'ed Katan Daf Yud. Today's daf has been dedicated by the Shehebar family in memory of their father and grandfather Gavriel ben Zakiya. Ruah Hashem Tanihenu Began Eden. Amen. Today's daf is being studied the Alunishmat Abraham ben Esther. Ruah Hashem Tanihenu Began Eden. Amen. We begin today's daf right at the beginning of daf Yud on the top line. We learned in the Mishnah that an amateur is able to sow on Cholamu'ed in the normal fashion. So the Gemara asks, What's the case of a Hedyot? How does a Hedyot sow? Which means a professional is able to take the needle and with the thread of course and go in and out of the garment uh, a few times the size of the needle itself and then after he pulls in one shot and all the stitches are formed which means he doesn't have to go in and out fully for each stitch he goes in and out quickly for each many stitches and then after he pulls once and all the stitches form a straight line. So if somebody cannot do that, he's considered a hediot. He's considered an amateur. Rabbi Yosef bar Harina Amar, kol she'enu yachol lechaven imra behefet haluko. Which means, if a person is not able to make a hem at the bottom of the garment, if he cannot sew it on straight, that means he's not a professional. Which means in the olden days, as well as today, at the bottom of the garment they would take a thick piece of garment and they would sew it to the hem, to the bottom, in order to give it extra strength. So when you're sewing it, you have to sew it that it will be straight across. If a person cannot sew that hem, that extra garment, and keep it straight and uh, consistent uh, across the whole bottom of the garment, so he's considered a hediot. So again, those are the two ways of a hediot. Either he is somebody that cannot sew many stitches and then pull in one shot, or is unable to sew the hem evenly at the bottom of the garment. It should be pointed out in the top Tosfot, Tosfot says, which means that which we let even a non-professional sew on Chola Mu'ed, it's Davka if it's Tzorek HaMu'ed. But just stand to sew for no purpose, it's not permissible. So Tosfot is giving us a very important rule, that the whole law of sewing on Chola Mu'ed, even an amateur, is only because you need it for the Mu'ed. But stamp to sew for no purpose, even if a person would make a shinui, would be a sur. Then he says, We're not talking over here where there's going to be a financial loss, or there's going to be a loss in general. Because if there is going to be a loss, Because if there is going to be a loss, 
which means if there's davar avid and you don't need a shinui at all, then the person could sow in the regular fashion in order to save the loss. Let's say a person to sfot says his garments or his shoes are ripped. Let's say if he leaves them in an unfixed manner, they're going to ruin. Which means if he doesn't fix them immediately on the holiday, they're going to ruin by the end of the holiday. Tosfot says from his rabbis, in such a case will not be lenient to fix it on Cholam It seems you're not wearing it on Cholam It's time you just want to fix it because it's going to ruin if you don't fix it on the holiday. If you wait, he says it's Asur, they were not lenient, even Al Yedeh Goy. In any event, we continue the Gemara. The Uman Makhlib. We said a professional, he's able to sew in a type of way that's called Makhlib. My Makhlib, what does Makhlib mean? Rabbi Yohanan Amar Mafsiya, which means he literally jumps. Meaning he does not put the stitches next to each other. He does one stitch and then leaves like a space and puts the next stitch a little further away. Similar to the teeth of a dog. The dog's teeth are not right next to each other. There's space between them. So therefore it calls that stitch. Um, the Mishnah says, Makhlib, which means you sew like the uh, configuration of the teeth of a dog, which means a professional cannot sew in the normal manner. He has to be mafsi, he has to leave space between the stitches. So Rabbi Shemuel says, no, a different type of stitch called Shine Kalbeta, which literally means the teeth of a dog. The teeth of a dog are not straight, they're zigzag. And that's the way a professional is allowed to sew on Cholam he has to make a shinui. So what's the shinui? He does one in and one out, which means he does not sew in a straight fashion. He does it in a, like we said, zigzag fashion, like the teeth of a dog. And that, the name of the stitch is called Shinei Kalbeta. And that's what the Mishnah means when it says Makhlib. So we have two interpretations of Makhlib, either Mafsiya or Shinei Kalbeta. Then we learned in the Mishnah, Misargin et Hamitot. We learned in the Mishnah that it is permissible to misareg the Mitot. The Gemara is going to ask, what does this mean, Misargin? My Misargin. What does it mean, Misargin? Umay Mematehin. Which means at the end of the Mishnah, the Biyuzda said, you're even allowed to be Mematehah. So we want to understand these terminologies. We have a machloket over here in the names of Hizkiyah and Rabbi Yohanan. Had Amar Misargin, what it means, Misargin Sheti Va'irif. Which means, in the old days they would have a bed. Made out of wood, let's say it was just a frame. So they would take ropes, and they would put the ropes lengthwise and then widthwise and then they would sleep on them they would put a pillow on top and sleep on it that's the way they would make let's say the uh, box spring or the mattress they would put again ropes lengthwise and widthwise so that's the word misargin sheti ve'edev lengthwise and widthwise umimatehin and when it says the mishnah mimatehin sheti belo erev it means just lengthwise and not widthwise so that's the first opinion. And another opinion says, no, Misargin is just sheti, just putting the, the uh, ropes lengthwise. 
וממתחין שאם היה רפוי ממתחו which means ממתחין is not putting ropes at all that means if the ropes are there already you're allowed to tighten them for example let's say the ropes on the bed are sagging so then you'd be allowed to tie them so we have a great mahlokit how to learn misargin and ממתחין let's review the mahlokit according to the first opinion misargin is sheti v'ereb you're putting the ropes on the bed lengthwise and widthwise and ממתחין is the opinion you can only put it lengthwise the second version is misargin is only putting it lengthwise and mimatain is not putting the ropes at all. Just you're able to tighten existing ropes that are there on the bed. Ini we have a country we have a question. Which means everybody agrees the opinions in the Mishnah, which would be the Bimiir and the Bihuda, which are the opinions in the Mishnah, Sha'in Mafshidin Habarim Khitahida. That on Holamuid it is forbidden to twist ropes. How do you make ropes? I guess you take material and you twist it and you make it into a cord or a rope. So everybody agrees that it's forbidden to be mafshil habalim, to twist ropes on So the Gemara asks, If you're going to tell me that misargin means making a sheti ve'erev, and mimatechin means sheti ve'erev, haynu diktani rav tachlifa bar Shaul. As so now I understand what Rav Tachlifa bar Shaul said, ve'shavin she'en mafshirin habarim nechitahila. That when he said that you cannot make the ropes, which means... You, you can put the ropes on the bed, either sheti ve'erev or just sheti, but you cannot make the ropes. So that statement makes sense. She's the only argument is, could you do sheti ve'erev or just sheti? But making the ropes itself, everybody agrees, it's going to be a suit. But according to the opinion that says that Mr. Gin is doing the sheti alone, and according to the opinion of it means you cannot even put ropes at all. That opinion holds you could just tighten. If you're telling me that there's an opinion that says you can't even do sheti ve'erev on the bed, you're just able to tighten. Do you have to tell me that you can't make ropes? I mean, it goes without saying. Which means according to that opinion that's telling me that mimatehin means you cannot even put sheti ve'erev. You cannot put the ropes on the bed at all. That you could only tighten. So therefore if you cannot put ropes on the bed, you can't make ropes. So that statement doesn't make sense. Why would you have to tell me that everybody agrees? Of course, pashut. So the Gemara says, kashya. You're right, it's a kashya. That statement it does not make sense if you're telling me that the word mimatehin means tighten. Which means, if, if, if the word mimatehin, which is if the Yehuda, um is saying that you can only tighten, but you cannot put even sheti ve'erev on the bed itself to, you know, to, to, to place the ropes on the bed, uh, so, if you can only tighten and you cannot put any ropes on the bed itself, certainly you cannot make the ropes. So the Gabriel leaves that in the kasha. The ritma over here actually answers the kasha. Whenever it says the word kasha in the Gemara, that means there is a possible answer. And he wants to say like this, that there, I could have thought like this, maybe sheti ve'erev is asur. Why? Because I can tell you, you could sleep without sheti ve'erev. Which means I'll tell you, I guess when a bed there's no sheti ve'erev. So I can tell you 
that maybe you could place, let's say, pillows in between the bed, you know, to elevate it, and then you sleep on the uh, on the pillows, or you sleep um, on on the comforters that you'll put on the floor, let's say. However, if you don't have habadim at all, if you don't have ropes at all, so then you have to sleep on the floor. So then already could be they allowed you to make habalim. They're just giving you a habamina. That you might have thought maybe making ropes, putting the 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 the, the, the shetiv maybe is asur. Because why? Maybe you can sleep on that bed even without shetiv Just put some pillows over there and uh, you'll be able to sleep, uh, let's say, on the pillows and so on and so forth. But if you don't have ropes at all, I might have thought you can make the ropes. Look you don't have to sleep on the floor. Kamashmalan making the ropes is asur. In any event, is there opinion that says that the word misargin means just putting sheti, putting the ropes in the the, uh, the the length of the bed without the eriv? When does a bed become When you weave in it three boxes, which means we're talking about a bed, the gabed the laws of tum'ah. When is it considered a bed to be mikabel tum'ah? So we're talking about a bed that has already the sheti ropes across it. So it says once you put three ropes Withwise, and you make three boxes. So going going withwise. So now it's already considered a bed. Which means a bed is only a bed when you have a sheti and an ayrev. So therefore, for sure, misargin. When we say you're making the bed, for sure it has to be sheti ve'ayrev. That's considered a bed, like we see in this case over here the tumah. So now we go back. Everybody agrees. That misargin is sheti ve'ayrev, because we see a bed cannot be called a bed unless you have sheti ve'ayrev. Elaki peligi pememateihin. The mahlokid is on what is the word mematayah. Mor sabar mematayhin sheti below ayrev. One rabbi holds that mematayhin is just putting the sheti without the ayrev. That's mematayhin. And another opinion says, says, no, that you cannot put it at all. It just means you can tighten the ropes that are already there. So now we're redefining the mahluk. There's no mahluk about misargin. Everybody agrees misargin is sheti ve'arif, because that's considered a bed. So what's the mahluk? And how do you explain the word mimatayah? Which means, one says mimatayah, just putting a sheti without an arif. And the other opinion says, no. It's talking about where you cannot put anything at all. Mimata means tightening the ropes. Metive, we have a question. Misargin etamita. You're allowed to be misareg the mita and holam mored. The end sadiq lomar shimimatehin. And it goes without saying that you're able to be mimateya. Devre rabimiir. That's the words of rabimiir. Actually, this is a. Right, this is the quote, the shitav Rabbi Meir. It can be misareg, and it goes without saying, can be mimatayah. Rabbi Yosei Omer, mimatayin, abalo misaregin. Rabbi Yosei says, no, you can only be mimatayah, but you cannot be misareg. Ve'yesh omrim, en mimatayin kol ikar. The third opinion says, you cannot be mimatayah at all. Bishlamah lemandabar mimatayin sheti bilo erev. If you want to tell me that mimatayah means just putting a sheti without a erev, hainu da'atu yesh omrim da'eflugeh. So I understand what the Yishuvim is saying. The Yishuvim is mahmir. We don't want you to put ropes on the bed bichlal. So okay, I can hear that. However, 
But if you tell me that mimatea means just tightening, tightening the ropes, the yeshomri mimatea namelo. Are you going to tell me that the Yeshua is going to say you can't even tighten ropes? What should be the Yisud in tightening the ropes? The ropes are there already. All you're doing is tightening it. In, yes, he's going to say it's a sur. Because what's your problem? You worry about the, the, that the ropes are sagging, so you could just put pillows underneath the bed to elevate to elevate it, and you can put pillows in between, and you don't have to tighten it at all. So there's a way to use the bed even without tightening, and therefore, since you have another option, it will be considered a tirha, and therefore, lo tarhinan, we don't want you to make a tirha. So therefore, comes out, let's review the opinions that we come out with in this Gemara. The Shittot are basically like this, that misargin, the Mishnah said, misargin etamitot, you will have to anyomto, anholamu'id misareg, the beds, and according to the Biyoseh, he said you're allowed to be Mimateyah. So what is the terminology's maskana? Everybody agrees Misargin means putting Sheti Ve'erif. Which means according to the Tanakama Val Mishnah, you could put ropes on the bed, lengthwise, widthwise, no problem. You have to say that this is considered like the Vada Abed. You need to sleep on a bed. So therefore, even though it's a tirhat to put the ropes on the bed to make it uh, sleepable, but uh, if you don't do that, you're not going to be able to sleep uh, the normal way. So therefore, he was matir. Rabbi Yosef said, no. The only thing we're going to allow you is to be mimateyah. That's what mimateyah means. Does mimateyah either mean just putting shitty ropes, putting the ropes lengthwise? Now you're going to sleep on the ropes lengthwise. Uh, you have to say you're going to put, let's say, pillows in between just to, to fill in the uh, gaps in order that you can sleep on the bed. And some say the word mimateyah means no, you can't put the ropes at all. You can only tighten the ropes that are already there. Uh, and there's a third opinion, yes, that says you can't even be mimateyah, which means either you can't even just put a sheti, you can only, uh, you cannot be mimateyah at all, which you cannot even put a sheti, but you can tighten. But if you learn that it means tightening, you can't even tighten. Why? Because that opinion will say just put pillows underneath in order to elevate it and sleep like that. So those are the three opinions. Again, the first opinion is Rabbi Meir of the Mishnah, which is the Stab Mishnah that says you can be misareg. That means you can make the bed in the normal way, with the ropes. Second opinion would be Rabbi Yosef. He would say, Mimatehin. And that's Mahlawur. Matehin is either Mimatehin means just Sheti or tightening them, and the Yesh Omrim that we just learned, hold, you can't even be mimateyah, can't do anything, you cannot put ropes on, and you can't even tighten the ropes, which is according to one opinion, you wouldn't be able even to tighten the ropes, if that's the way mimateyah is interpreted. Comes the next Mishnah, Ma'amidim Tanur Vekirayim Verehaim Bamu'id, one is able to establish a tanur. Tanur is the old time ovens that they used to have. Tanur was able to fit according to in the times of the Gemara. The uh, oven is able to fit two. I'm sorry, kedera. Which means the tanur is able to fit one uh, pot in it, it's smaller, and a kirayim is a bigger type of oven, 
And it can fit two pots. That's the difference between a tanur and a kinayim. Again, tanur is big enough to put one pot in, and a kinayim you're able to fit two. So you're allowed to make both type of ovens on hol and mu'id. The rehaim, rehaim is the millstone. What was basically the millstone? It was two stones. They used to grind wheat with it. There was an upper stone and a lower stone, and they would lower their upper stone on the lower stone and turn it. And that would cause the wheat that was uh, in between to become ground. So it says you could do that, but mu'id. Now, ma'amidin, what does ma'amidin mean? So that she says, she'osin otam nechatahila. We actually allowed to construct these ovens, the kataila, on the mu'id. According to Tosafot, he learns ma'amidin is your fastening them into the ground. Which it seems they would permanently place it in the ground. That's what Ma'amidin means. Rabbi Yudha Omer, Af Mechabeshin. Eta Rehaim Batechila. He says you're allowed to be Mechabesh. Mechabesh is to gouge. We'll see what that means in the Gemara. You can gouge the millstone on Cholam Mu'ed Lechatechila. So the Gemara says, My Mechabeshin, what does the word Mechabeshin mean? When you're gouging, what does this mean? Rabbi Yudha Omer, Menaker Rehaya. Menakir, which means you place ridges on the bottom stone. Which means, let's say you have a stone that she says that's old. And the stone became smooth. When the stone, the bottom stone is smooth, and you put the kernels on them, and you lower the top stone, it doesn't crush them well. You need to make grooves in order for it to catch the wheat and cause it to grind well. So you're allowed to make grooves on a millstone that smoothened out. You can make the new grooves on Cholam So that's what Mechabeshin means. Rabbi Hiyel Amar Bat'ina. Rabbi Hiyel comes along and says, it's Bat'ina. It's making a eye hole. Which means... Uh, on the top stone, uh, in order to get the wheat from the top stone to the bottom stone, it seems the two two pieces, the two stones were connected to each other, like so they would make a hole in the top stone and drop the wheat in that hole. So you have to pierce a hole in the top stone on Cholamoyet. So again, either mechabeshin either means making the ridges, mechabeshin making the ridges in the bottom stone, or bat'ina, making a hole in the top stone. According to Tosafot, Tosafot learns differently than Nashi here, Tosafot learns that we're talking about even on a new millstone, that yet was not yet even, uh, they did not put the ridges yet at all. So comes the, again, so Tosrashi learns, is talking about an old one that got smoothened out, the bottom one, if we need to put the uh, ridges again, according to the Biuda, and according to Tosfot, no, Davka uh, on a new one. Because the Tosfot, the Biuda, he says, Okay, look at the Gemara further. Metibe, we have a question. Ma'amidim tanur v'kinayim b'mu'id You're allowed to set up the tanur v'kinayim on mu'id U'bilvad shilu yigmor b'lechdan So long as you do not finish uh, the work You don't finish the uh, or the work of making the oven Devrei rabbi li'ayzad v'achimim murim af yigmor You can even finish it completely Rabbi Yudha omir m'shimu ma'amidim v'tahadasha Rabbi Yudha says you're allowed to establish a new uh, millstone this is talking about 
ומחבשין את הישנה. And you're allowed to gouge an old millstone. ויש שאומרים אין מחבשין כל עיקרן. אז זה לא, you cannot gouge a millstone at all. פשטמה למען דבר מחבשין מן הקרח היה. מחבשין means that you're making the ridges on the bottom stone. חיינו תבשקעת לעם בישנה. So we have a case. You have a case in an old uh, millstone that what? That became smoothened out. So you have a case that uh, you have a case where what? The, it became uh, 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 smooth. So that's why you're able to, uh, to do it. But if you're telling me that it's talking about making a hole Yeshena batrena lama la which means if you're talking about an old millstone over here, and you're telling me that uh, you can gouge it according to one opinion, what do you mean? If you tell me it's making the eye hole, an old one has an eye hole already. So what are you talking about? How could you tell me it's making the hole? The hole's there in an old one. So if you want to tell me it means making the ridges, so an old millstone, it's possible that the ridges smoothened out. Okay, I understand. So it makes sense. That's why it says over here, You're allowed to gouge an old one. So if you tell me it's making the ridges, because the old one, the ridges smoothed out, so it's no problem. But if you're telling me that making the uh, gouging means making the hole, what do you mean? An old one has a hole already. The hole's in the top stone, that's where you put the weed in. So the Gemara says, Kegon de Not so bad, as a hole, you just want to widen the hole on top. So therefore, even an old one is Shayach to get involved with the Bata'ina, the eye hole on top. Ravuna heard a certain fellow, he was um, making ridges. In the millstone on Khulam Mu'ad, Amar, he said, Man hai di ithil? Man hai, who is this one uh, over here? And the Gemara says, Ithil gufe, ithil, gufe deka mahil, deka mahil Khulam Mu'adah. Okay, let's read it again. Man hai the itchil gufa. This one over here that's uh, doing this work on Khulam Mu'ed, his body should become desecrated. Again, this person over here, itchil gufa, his body should be desecrated. Why? The kamahil hula de mu'ada. Because he's desecrating Khulam Mu'ed. He didn't even see the guy. He just heard him doing this work, making the ridges to the stone of the millstone, and he cursed him. He said, This person. That's doing melacha, he should be uh, punished. So the Gemara says, Savar la keyesh omrim. He must hold like the yesh omrim of the brighter that we just quoted above. And what was the yesh omrim that we just quoted above? We said, En mechabeshim kol ikar. That you cannot make gouging on a millstone at all. So he held like that. So he didn't even have to see if it was a new one or an old one. He knew right away once he heard the uh, sound. He knew right away the guy's making Hidul Mu'ed, and therefore he cursed him. Rav Hamma. Rav Hamma was Doresh. No cream rechaim ba Mu'ed. That you're able to uh, pierce the rechaim, uh, the millstone, to make the ridges on Khola Mu'ed. Mishum Rabbi Meir Amar, Afilusus Shirochev Alav. 
וחמור שרוכב עליו מותר ליטול ציפורניים בחולו של מועד. It is permissible to cut the nails of the horse or the donkey that one rides on on חולה מועד. You can cut its nails. Because it seems it wasn't able to uh, walk comfortably if you're not going to cut its nails. So therefore, in order to be able to uh, travel with the horse on Hulam uh, either so you don't give the animal tsa'ar, or so the animal's time will be able to walk properly, you can cut the animal's nails on Hulam Mu'ed. Tosfot does say, on the bottom of big Hiddush, Pirush betosiftal lefzorek ha-mu'ed. She's only talking about where you're, t- where you're using the horse, where you're going on uh, destination for the purpose of the Mu'ed. He says, from the that you cannot go just traveling on a horse for no reason. It has to be a purpose, maybe visiting a rabbi or go doing another type of mitzvah. So stop, if you need to go for a purpose, a justified purpose, you can cut the nails of the uh, horse. Uh, the Tosfot also says that today that the horses wear bronze shoes, Right, they wear the horseshoes, so that would be permissible also to do on Hola Mu'id. Which means in the times of the uh, Gemara, uh, the ground was soft, and therefore wasn't necessary for them to wear horseshoes, so they would go barefoot. So they would just need to cut their nails so they could walk comfortably. However, now that uh, there's horseshoes, he said it would be permissible if you needed to make the horseshoe as well. Comes the Gemara and continues and says, Aval Hamrad Rechaya Lo, which means they used to have a Hamor that used to turn the millstone, meaning on the top millstone they used to tie it to a Hamor, he would walk in a circle, and that would cause the millstone to spin and turn, and that would crush the wheat underneath. So the Gemara is saying that the Hamra Rechaya, that the Hamor of the millstone, you, the millstone hamor, you cannot cut its nails. Rashi top line: Sheken osin sheyut tohanin agav hamorim lo matzil lemishkal lahu hamrat ziponav. The lo matzil lemitchan b'moed ela letzorich moed, which means because on cholam moed you're only allowed to grind wheat for the sorich of the moed. Now that's not a lot of wheat, so for the little amount he'll be able to uh, grind, even though his nails are long. It might be a little discomfort for the animal. But for the small amount that you could do on Hulam Mu'ed, we're not going to allow you to cut its nails. Rabbi Yudah, Shara Lemishkal Tufre, Lechabra Derechaya. Rabbi Yudah, on the other hand, allowed to even cut the nails of Hamra Derechaya, of this Hamor that was turning the uh, millstone. Ulukmeh Derechaya, and he also has let you establish, means means to set up the Rehayim, the millstone on Hulam Mu'ed. I'm sorry. He even let you build the millstone from scratch on Hola Mu'ed. Some do not have that girsa. That you can also build the frame around the rehaim. It seems that the stones were in a frame, so you can build that frame. Udaya is like a barn or a stable for horses. The Gemara now tells us different rulings. Rav shara lesiruke susaya. Rav allowed to comb a horse on Cholam Mu'ed. 
Now what are you combing the horse for? So the Mepharshim explained, because when you're riding on a horse, if it's not combed, it's not kavod for the rider. I guess the horse is looked, he looks unkempt. So for kavod of the rider, that he should be riding on a, you know, a, 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 a comely horse, it would be permissible to uh, comb it even on hol hamoed. Of course, with the metal combs. arkafita. Al-Kafita, according to Nashi, is a trough, and according to the uh, Tosafot, it is a type of bench used for sitting. Or Nashi is a trough, that's where the animal eats from. Ul-Mibne, it's Taba. It's Taba is a type of uh, wall or a bench also made out of stones. Rabba allowed to bloodlet from an animal on Cholamu'id. Which means it seems it's uh, medicinal or healthy for the animal, so it is permissible to let blood out of the animal. We have a proof to this opinion. That you're allowed to bloodlet from the behemah. And we do not refrain from doing any medicinal uh, work for an animal on Cholamu'id. Now, Tosfot says, must be talking about, we're talking about a medicine, a refuah that entails melacha. And the Hiddush is, even if it entails a melacha, it's permissible on Cholam Because Tosfot says, if it doesn't entail melacha, it's permissible even on Shabbat to give medicine to animals. Because this whole gezerah against medicine that you might come to grind on the Sassur on Shabbat is only as to the human beings. But the rabbis never made a gezerah on animals giving them medicine on Shabbat. So long as there's no other melakha involved. However, on Cholam the Hiddush is, even if there's a melakha entailed in giving them the medicine, to the animals that is, it would be permissible. Rava shara le kaskuse kirme. Rava allowed in Cholam the kaskuse kirme. What does this mean? So that she learns this is talking about to, uh, to, to iron or to press, we should say, to press the garments. Because this type of pressing was not a professional way of doing it, and therefore he says it is permissible. Amar bar Amar kiture bire asir. What is kiture bire? So that she gives two interpretations. One interpretation is, is the Shnaharin actually, the first interpretation I'll tell you is that what he says secondly, is to make pleats. It seems they would, uh, there was a certain way they would make pleats in the garment. Or the first interpretation is they would take different type of kilim and they would rub it against the uh, garment in order to smoothen the garment out. That's kiture. So again, either making pleats in the garment or smoothing it out. Asir, it's asur on cholamu'ed. Maita'ama ma'ase umanu. Because that is considered professional labor. Amar Rabah. Man dematkil ar'ah. Okay. Somebody that is digging in the ground on cholamu'ed. He's digging. Adata debedare share. If his intention is to make the ground fit for threshing, that is a threshing ground, so then it's permissible. But if you're doing it for plowing purposes to benefit the ground, so certainly it's going to be asur. So now the Gemara is going to ask, well, how do you know what makes the ground fit for 
threshing and what makes the ground fit for plowing. So the Gemara is going to explain. What's the case? Mulya bimulya. If you have a mound of dirt, that's a mulya, and you dig it, and after you dig the dirt, you dig it up, and you put it back in the mound. Mulya bimulya. Which means you put a Take dirt from a mound, you dig it and put it back in a mound. Or, vinsa binatsa, or you take the dirt from a hole and put it back in the hole. Adata de bedare. That already is uh, for the bedare. That is, means you're doing it for threshing. It seems, according to this Gemara, at least our text, you didn't need a flat ground for threshing. Even a uh, mountain, a mound of dirt, is uh, fit, uh, is, is feasible for threshing. However, shakal mulya, if you take from a mound of dirt, veshada benatsa, and you put the dirt in a hole, meaning you're flattening the ground, or then it says. So then already, you must be doing it for planting purposes, and that's for the purpose of planting, which is going to be a suit, which is like plowing. Now, the Mefarshim learned this Gemara, which makes a little more sense to say the opposite, that when you're making the ground flat, now it's fit for threshing. Because how do you thresh? You have to bang the wheat on the ground. How are you going to bang it if there's a mound of dirt? So therefore, they say the opposite. If it's mulya binsa, meaning if you put from the mound of dirt, you pour the dirt in the hole, and now the ground on top is flat, that is going to be permissible, because you're preparing it for threshing, which is permissible to thresh on Cholamoyed. However, mulya bimulya, if you're just digging from a mound and putting the dirt back on the mound, or in the hole and putting the dirt back in the hole, that's for Hayrisha uh, purposes, because you're just softening the ground and you put the seeds in, so that would be asu. So there's two opposite ways of learning the Gemara. Is a flat ground uh, beneficial for the threshing, or is the mound beneficial for the threshing? And the Nafkamana is going to be, which one is going to be permissible in Hulam Mu'ed? said, Hi man, zikaya. This person, that what? He is cleaning, so sweeping the karka. Which means it seems the ground has on it different, let's say, small pieces of wood. So he wants to clean the pieces of wood up. So again, Hayman This person over there is cleaning up the ground. If he's doing it in order to keep the wood, meaning he wants to use the wood that he collects for fire, Share, mutar. But if he's doing it to to enhance the ground, he wants to get all those those pieces of wood off the ground to enhance the ground. That's going to be a seed because you cannot do any work labor for the ground on Hulam So how do you know? How do you know what he's doing it for? So Shakil Rabrebe, if he takes just the big pieces of wood, the Shabik Zutre, and he leaves the small pieces of wood, Adata then we know he's using it for fire because usually he takes the big pieces of wood. However, Shakil Rabrebe Vizutre, if he's taking both the big pieces and the small pieces, then he wants to just clean the ground to make it fit for planting. Adata and that would be Asur because he's doing it for the ground. Rabba said, hi. 
person, let's say, opens up a gate in order to let water into his field. If his intention is so the fish will flow into his field so he can catch the fish, that's permissible. But if he's doing it so the water can come and irrigate his field on Hulam or Ed, that's going to be Asur. So the Gemara says, what's the case? Let's say he opened up two gates. One upper gate to let the water in. And one lower gate to let the water out. Which means he has the water coming in from a source. And it's going through a ditch in his field. And it seems that when the water gushes through, there's fish in the water. So the fish gets stuck in the ditch. And he opens a second door to let the water irrigate out of his field. So therefore you see he's not interested in saving the water. Because it's draining. He has two doors. One to let it in, just so the fish get caught in the ditch, and then another gate to let it out. So therefore it's permissible because he sees the weed for the fish. However, that's for the fish. But if he opens up only one to let the water in, because he wants it to collect in the ditch in order to save it for... The field that would be asur. This person over here that's removing branches from his tree, from his dekel, uh, from his tree on which means if he's doing it in order to give the branches to his animals to feed. So therefore it's permissible. But if he's doing it in order to enhance the tree, meaning like a pruning of the tree, then it's asur. Well, how do you know? If he only takes pieces of wood from one side of the tree, for example, he takes the moist pieces of wood from one side of the tree, so you see he's not pruning. Because if he was pruning, he do all the sides of the tree. So then we say it's mutar, because he's doing it in order to give it to the animals to eat. But if he's doing it from both sides of the tree, then Then we say he's doing it for the purpose of the pruning of the tree, and it's going to be a sur. Rashi says over here, Ah, so that she says whether you take the moist ones or the dry ones, they're both edible. But only if you take from one side. However, if you only took from one side, which means if you take from both sides, so then already, it's obvious that you're doing it for pruning purposes, and you're taking the, obviously, dry woods also, if you're doing it for pruning purposes only, and therefore, it's going to be asur. These type of dates, that they did not ripen yet, tohalne is unripened dates. Migzirinu shari. Migzirinu means, koytarashi, you're allowed to cut them open, and eat them on Yom Tov. Because you're doing it for Yom Tov. Which means you're not plucking them off the tree. They're, they're, they're off the tree already. It's not ripen yet. So you want to open them up in order to eat them on Yom Tov. This is permissible. However, to press them is going to be asur. Which is, let's say you want to make dried figs. Now if you're going to leave them in this way over here, since they're not ripened yet, if you don't take the juice out of them, they're going to spoil. So the Gibbara says, no. That since you're doing it for the purpose of after the holiday, 
So therefore, you're not allowed to press them to take the juice out of it for a future purpose, for a future date, in order to make them dry. Look at Rashi. Maitsinu asu, that's in the first wide line. Lechovshan b'masui. Right, to put a weight on them, to press them. Umotzi lehashibahim lahot, to take out the uh, liquid from them, the moisture. Hainu asu, she'achshav inam nitla'in. Which means Right, on this on, on Yom Tov he's talking now. You want to prepare these on Yom Tov to eat it during the hall. That's going to be asud. So it seems that now the, these items over here, when you, if you're not going to take the moisture out, they're going to become wormy. That she said. So therefore, the guy wants to just dry them out now for a future date to make uh, dried uh, figs out of them. Asur. Because she keeps preparing from Yom Tov for Chol. Or, or, or I should say, even from Chol would be Asur as well. Because she's doing it from Chol for after the holiday. So the Gemara says, Now, if you're not going to dry these out, they're going to become wormy. It's like merchandise, that if you don't deal with it, intend to it, it's going to cause a loss, so it therefore it's permissible. So therefore, he's considering this like a loss, and we know that you could do work on Chola Mu'ed if there's financial loss. So this is like prakmatia, like uh, like uh, 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 merchandise that has a loss because the, the, the dates is like his merchandise. So therefore, if you're not gonna you're not gonna dry it out, they're going to become wormy. So therefore, it's permissible. He says on cholam even though the loss incidentally is not so great. But the halakha is that if merchandise is becoming ruined, even a little loss, it is permissible. And therefore, it is permissible. Transacting in business, any type of transacting in business is asur on However, if it's davara aved, which means if it's going to incur a person a financial loss, it is going to be mutar. Now, Tosafot explains that when we say davara aved, that if it's going to cause them a loss, it means a loss from the uh, from the principal. However, if it's just that he's not going to make more profit, so then already that's like a city davar aved. The Rosh brings down from the Yerushalmi that let's say in Cholam Mu'ed uh, a certain merchandise comes up that you would not be able to find after the Mu'ed. For example, let's say the show. There's a show and all the vendors are in town and if you're not going to go to that show it's going to be hard to find them again or they're selling for a cheaper price and you're not going to find them after Cholam Mu'ed. So therefore he says that's considered uh, permissible uh, on Cholam Mu'ed. That's considered a hefseed. In any event, here's the Gemara uh, continues. Ravina Ravina had a certain merchandise, a certain business. He was able to sell the goods for 6,000. However, he waited. He didn't want to sell on Cholam He followed the Allah. He doesn't want to sell. So he waited to sell the merchandise till after Cholam he was able to get double. He was able to sell it for 12,000. It's trying to say, because he kept the of not doing, uh, buying and selling on Cholam Mu'ed. So he got double his money after the Cholam Mu'ed. Ravina was owed money by the people of Akra de Shanu, that's the name of a place. They owed him money. So he came to Rav Can I go on Cholamoy to collect my debt? 
Since on Holomid you're going to find them, because they're home, they're in their house on Holomid, everybody's home. And on another day you're not going to be able to find them. So therefore, it's like a, a, a financial loss in your merchandise, and therefore it's permissible, which means he wanted to collect this debt, but it's a he's got to go to that city and collect it. He wanted to know, can you do it on Holomid? So he told them, because since they're available, they're in the city, you know, you're going to be able to find them. So therefore, go get them, go get your money. Because after Holomid, they're not going to be around anymore. So therefore, it's like the Varav. Go find them where they are. So therefore, he allowed him to go uh, get his money from those people. Look at Yamara um, further. Tanya, Tanya, Nami. We have a brayta similar to this. Gabe Abu Dazara. We learned by Abu Dazara it says that really three days before the holiday, you're really not allowed to transact with the guim because any money that they make three days before the holiday, they are very thankful and they're going to praise their Avodah Zarah because of it. So we don't want to be the cause of them praising the Avodah Zarah. So it says, Tanya Namega be Avodah Zarah ki Similarly, we have a bright of Avodah Zarah. Holchim liyirid shel akum. You're allowed to go to the market. That would be like the trade show of the Guim, of the, of the Avodah Zarah. Velochim behema. You could buy from them animals, abadim, slaves, shafachot, um, servants, batim, houses, sadot, Fields, keramim, vineyards, vechotev, umaale ba'arkaot shelahem. And you can even write this document of sale in their courts. You can go to their courts and write up the shtad. Now, even though if you're going to go into their uh, courts and, and, and sign it, they might give praise to their Avodazara that they were selling, uh, that they were able to sell the goods. So the Gabbara says, you know why? Because it's as if you're saving these goods from their hands. Meaning, once they're in the market, you found them, this merchandise is not going to be there anymore. So therefore, it's like you are saving the goods from them. Which means, in this case over here, we have a situation where you really shouldn't transact with the Guim before the holiday. But over here, you're not going to find them after the holiday. They're not around. So therefore, it's considered like Davara Aved. And therefore, it is permissible. So again, it's permissible to go to the trade show of the Akum on the holiday even, in order to buy from them these type of goods and to write the Shtarot in the Akaot, in their courts, even though you're giving them Kavod, and you might go to praise their Avodah Zarah because it's considered Matzil them. You're saving it from them, which means right now they're here. If you don't buy it now, you might not be able to buy it again. Therefore, similarly on Cholam the rabbi said, go collect your debt. They're home now. If you're not going to get it on Cholam you're not going to find them after. If you're not going to find them after, it's going to be considered like the Vada Abed, so he allowed them to collect it on Cholam Amen Amen.